Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. Today we will explore our mission as being witnesses from the expert, Jesus Christ himself. Join us in looking at this from John chapter 4. Today we return to our series in the Gospel of John. Jesus has told us, You shall be my witnesses. That is the mission of every believer to our world. We looked at our witness earlier in this series through John the Baptist, who was an expert witness. And yet we may not see ourselves as witnesses. One writer suggests, that many people call themselves evangelicals who do not have any legitimate right to do so because they have left the evangel, the gospel, behind. For many others who have not left the gospel behind, being an active witness of Jesus may not be an imperative responsibility and privilege because they do not really think about it. As winter and the brown season begins to fade with the green and other colors of spring, we sometimes unexpectedly see something that makes us stop, leaves us almost breathless in the great beauty of the new growth, the beautiful blossoms. We see it, stop, and focus on it, drink it in. That is what we should do regularly in all seasons with the gospel and being its witnesses. Today in chapter 4 of John's gospel we come to the expert witness, Jesus himself. And so our focus is on lessons from the expert. We are going to stop, look at, and yes, drink in Jesus' example, encouragement, and method of the gospel in action, of being his witnesses. We'll start with Jesus' example of personal witness. Look at verse 4. And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. There is more here than meets our 21st century North American eyes. Jesus' witness in this chapter was planned and purposeful. That is the first part of his example for us. The area of Samaria was between Judea in the south and Galilee in the north. So it would seem to make sense that you had to pass through Samaria to get to Galilee, where Jesus was headed, as we read in verse 43. And that is what many Jewish people did. But not all Jewish people did that. Some strict Jews circled around Samaria to the east to get up to Galilee, even though it made their journey much longer. Why did they do that? After all, Samaria at that time was not a separate country or political region, but was part of the Judean region under the Romans. The reason was that there was a long-standing, strong hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. When the Assyrians defeated the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, they removed many of the people to other countries and brought in people from a variety of other nations. The remaining Jewish people and foreigners intermarried, 
with their descendants becoming the Samaritans. The Samaritans had their own temple at Mount Gerizim, which was their central place of worship, led by their own priesthood, entirely separate from the priesthood of Israel. This was the major cause of hostility. The Jews burned that temple around 128 B.C. The Samaritans also accepted only the first five books of the Old Testament as Scripture. Most Jews considered them unclean half-breeds, their scriptures being incomplete and their religion having parts that were not true or pure. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. It was the shortest route to Galilee. It was not the only route. It was not the route favored by some. It was his chosen route to fulfill his purpose and plan for ministry there. Jesus teaches us that our witness should be planned and purposeful. You may have heard the saying, Most people don't plan to fail. They simply fail to plan. One reason we fail to be effective as Jesus' witnesses is that we are not motivated by that purpose and fail to plan to be witnesses. We are in the fifth month of 2023. As you look back at the present and ahead to the rest of the year, what is the state of your purpose and plan to have a purposeful and planned witness this year? A second part of Jesus' example is that his witness was to all people. As Jesus and his disciples walked north through Samaria, they came to a fork in the road near the town of Sychar. Verse 6 tells us Jesus was tired, fatigued or wearied from his journey. So he sat by the well there while his disciples went into the nearby town to buy food. This highlights Jesus' humanity, that he was truly man as well as truly God. A Samaritan woman approached the well to draw water. Most Jewish men in that time did not talk to any woman in public, not even their wife or daughters, let alone a Samaritan woman. She was also a woman with issues. She had been married five times and was now living with a man who was not her husband. In chapter 3, Jesus met Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a member of the ruling Sanhedrin, one of the most important men in the land, and showed him God's truth and love. Here Jesus meets with this Samaritan woman, and then other Samaritans, to show them God's truth and love. His witness was to all people. Jesus shows us our witness is to be to all people. Yes, we feel more comfortable with some people than with others. Sometimes we actually may find it easier to talk with people we don't know about God than those we know well. Our witness is to be to all people regardless of our feelings, culture, and position regardless of who or what the others are or are not. The third part of Jesus' example of witness is that it was 
personal and without gimmicks. Jesus' witness was personal. It was not only directed at this woman personally, but it was shaped personally for her. He didn't use any gimmicks. He did not use ideas or schemes that withheld some important information and so could have tricked her. Let's review Jesus' witness to this Samaritan woman. He came to the well at about the sixth hour, or at about noon by Jewish time. When this woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. It was midday and hot. While travelers usually carried skin bags and rope to draw water, Jesus' disciples, who probably were carrying the bags, had gone to town for food. His need was real. Jesus used this situation as a way to not only quench his thirst, but also to open the door to talking about spiritual truth. His approach was personal and genuine. Our witness always should be personal and without gimmicks. Sadly, gimmicks have been used by some Christians in their attempts to witness. For example, offering free tickets to a performance or dinner, which appears to the recipient to be just that, while the event has been designed to be an evangelistic event. Or offering information or seminars with no statement of a Christian element or connection. I have talked with people who are so angry and bitter at being tricked into attending such functions that they don't want to hear anything about Christianity. We can and should use interests and needs as opportunities to point people to Christ, but always carefully use them personally and without gimmicks. In one community where we served, we planned an interchurch outreach event for youth with music, a guest speaker, and free pizza. One aspect of the speaker's promotion I appreciated was that all of his promotional material clearly stated, this is a Christian event. The event was packed out, and God was gracious in bringing just over 100 youth to faith in Christ. I believe God honored the openness as well as the careful planning and sincere witness. Next, there is the part of dealing directly with sin. We see this clearly in Jesus' encounter with this woman. After the opening conversation, Jesus moved to talk about living water, which quenches thirst permanently and becomes a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. The woman quickly replied, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw water. Just as Nicodemus was hung up on the physical level of being born again, so she was on this living water. Jesus' response Look at verse 16. He told her, Go, call your husband, and come here. That's not what we would call a smooth transition. Why this question? 
Jesus moved quickly to spiritual matters and her spiritual condition, in particular to her sin and sinfulness. She tried to avoid the question, saying, I have no husband. Then Jesus lays it all on the table. You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This which you have said is true. Jesus expressed acceptance and love to all, but he never ducked the issue of sin. He always dealt with it directly. Our witness for Jesus is to be like his. Christians are sometimes reluctant to use the S word, sin. Yes, some people think sin is an outdated concept. As well, many people honestly do not have a clear understanding of what sin is, that it is any failure to meet the perfect, holy, righteous character and standards of God. Make no mistake, the gospel, our witness, is not complete without truth about sin. A final part of Jesus' example of personal witness is that he answered questions without being sidetracked. This woman, like most people, was not comfortable when confronted with her true spiritual condition. So she did what many do. She tried to avoid the subject, sidetrack the conversation to something more comfortable, less personal. It started with Jesus telling her to go get her husband. She tried to get off that track by saying, I have no husband. The truth, but not the whole truth. Jesus did not get sidetracked. In fact, he picked up on her answer to present the truth about her situation. Her next attempt starts in verse 19. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and yet you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one must worship. It was much more comfortable for her to debate where people should worship than to discuss her sin. Jesus answered her directly. He told her worshiping God is not about the place, but about worshiping the true God in spirit and in truth. She made one last attempt to sidetrack Jesus in verse 25. I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. In effect, let's talk about prophecy, about the Messiah who will clarify all of this. He will settle everything. But this led exactly to the heart of the message, the gospel Jesus wanted her to know and receive. And he stated it plainly, even dramatically. I am he, the one speaking to you. Jesus answered her questions, but did not get sidetracked from his purpose and point. It is easy to get sidetracked with the subject of religion, or politics, the world economy, 
disasters, morality. The list is endless. An effective witness answers questions without being sidetracked. Now let's move on to Jesus encouraging his disciples in their witness. He did that by encouraging them to be focused on mission. The disciples returned from town with food. The woman left her water pot and went back to the town, telling people about Jesus, the one who told her not only about herself, but said he is the Messiah. As people came out to him, his disciples said, they encouraged him, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus was both tired and hungry, and I'm sure he ate, but he took the opportunity to teach. Let's pick it up at verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus never lost sight of his mission. With family, work, interests, friends, church, and other things in front of us, it is easy to live day to day without a sense of our mission to be Jesus' witnesses, to be God's salt and light. Being his witnesses includes what we do in church and in our individual lives. Like the disciples, we need to be reminded of our mission to have it central in all aspects of our lives each day. Jesus also encouraged them to be harvesters. Jesus' words in verses 35 through 38 are a familiar missions text. Today, zero in on the main point. Jesus has told his disciples that mission was his central focal point, and it was to be their central focal point. Then in verses 35 through 38, he tells them to be ready, and more, to be harvesters now. Go on to verse 35. Do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have come into their labor bringing in a spiritual harvest of people coming to faith is not always like planting and harvesting a crop where you plant and wait four months for the harvest. There are always some who are ready to hear and to respond, as we see in the Samaritans here. There is an urgency to be harvesting today. One person wrote, if those disciples had been appointed a commission on inquiry 
as to the possibilities of Christian enterprise in Samaria, I know exactly what resolution they would have passed. Samaria unquestionably needs our Master's message, but it is not ready for it. There must first be plowing, then sowing, and then waiting. It is needy, but it is not ready. Just as Jesus encouraged his disciples, he encourages us to be harvesters now. It is true that many people take time to process the truth of the gospel before they come to faith, some even a very long time. It is important to build genuine relationships, which takes time. But that never should be used to excuse not taking every opportunity to ask the question, What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? It never should be used to excuse not being harvesters today. Jesus encourages us to be focused on our mission and to be harvesters. In addition to Jesus' example of witnessing, and his encouragement for his followers to be witnesses, we also see his work of expansion through multiplication. He used those who were saved to reach others who then reached yet others. In that short time in Samaria, Jesus reached the woman. She went back and told others about Jesus, and, verse 30, people were coming to him. Then, verse 41, many more believed because of his word. This woman shared the good news she had found with people in her hometown, and they, through her witness, came to see and hear Jesus, with many then believing in him. Jesus' plan for reaching the world, for building the church, has always been one of multiplication. Each one who believes tells and reaches others, and this is to keep moving onward. We are not told how many the many was, and that is not the key point. But again, as this woman told others, they came to hear and then believed. And as those then told others, still others believed. The kingdom of God is built through multiplication by the witness of every believer. This leads us to the important point of investing in new believers. Jesus gives us the example in verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. He was on his way to Galilee to minister. The stop at that fork in the road was to rest, to be refreshed with water and food, and to minister. When people responded, Jesus did not bless them and immediately move on. He invested in them. Two days may not seem to be much, but Jesus took two days out of his brief public ministry to invest in those new believers. The process of spiritual growth and then multiplication will not get off the ground 
unless we invest time and energy in new believers. I have come across many people who heard the gospel, received Christ as Savior by faith, and then were left there. No follow-up, no sharing, teaching of what being a believer is all about and involves. We must be witnesses, and then also must be nurturers of those who come to faith in Christ. We are witnesses. Jesus, the expert, shows us how to fulfill this mission. A modern parable highlights how basic and yet neglected this mission often is. It came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. Streams and lakes were filled with fish, and they were all very hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, people who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish the abundance of fish, and how they really should go fishing. They built large buildings for local fishing headquarters and issued pleas on a regular basis for more fishermen. But they did not fish. They organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. Their great vision and courage to speak out about fishing was seen in their promotion brochures and spirited rallies to wish these fishermen well. But the staff and committee members just never got around to fishing. Large, elaborate training centers were built to teach fishermen how to fish. Persons with doctorates in fishology were hired to do the teaching. But all they did was teach fishing they did not fish. After one stirring meeting, the necessity of fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. He caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings to tell about his experience. So he quit fishing to travel about telling his story. Now there were many people around them who questioned their status as fishermen and laughed at their clubs and rallies where there was never any evidence of any fish being brought in. But they continued claiming to be fishermen, even if they never found the time to fish. And Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. As you reflect and respond to God, thank Him that you have the privilege of being His witness, the privilege of being one who can point and lead people to Jesus, His forgiveness, and everlasting life. Also evaluate your witness in light of the truth Jesus shows us in His own example. Commit yourself to truly being a fisher of people. Let's bow in prayer. God, our loving Father, 
Thank you for sending Jesus into our world to be our Savior. Thank you that you reached out to us, drew us to yourself to be transformed with your everlasting life, and then to be your witnesses in our place and at time. Thank you for giving us truth in and from Jesus, including his example of how to be your witnesses. Help us to be focused on our mission in this world, to be prepared and available to be witnesses you can use. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 